fascinating gadgets, gizmos, and gear-based technologies. Welcome to another episode of Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies. This is the show that takes your favorite science fiction technologies and makes it a reality. So we have, this is a great show for you today, and we've got the best group put together to analyze science fiction, and that is the Brain Trust. I am the analytical mastermind, Daniel J. Glenn. With me, physics phenom, Dr. Michael Denon. Great to be here. Very, very excited about this, actually. It's a flashback to the past that I appreciate. Yeah, this is this is a good one. And this episode was chosen by our enigmatic engineer who's broadcasting out of an undisclosed location, Ben Seepser. How you doing, Ben? I'm doing great. So you picked this one. We're going to talk about Logan's Run, yeah. which I believe is from 1976. Yes. Uh, so this is, we're continuing our kind of retro sci-fi uh, summer special blockbuster movie extravaganza. I think that we're going to probably shorten it up a little bit. But you chose this one, Ben. This is your choice. So why did you pick Logan's Run? So uh, I've I've just been curious about this movie forever because it, it kind of, there's a lot of aspects of it pervade popular culture. There's, there's a lot of things you see in it, like the jewel in the hand and various right. other things. Like they've, they permeated pop culture in, in interesting ways. And when you watch it, there's just tons of really interesting technology uh, there. And it's, it's, it's a dystopia for sure. It's not really a world I would want to live in. But it's really interesting to see this kind of self-sufficient city that's run by a computer and it's a it's i mean it's a paradise and it's not a paradise but it's this it's just a really interesting take on the future that i really appreciated uh, that's makes sense to me uh, then i don't know if you saw this for the was this your first time watching it oh no i but i hadn't seen it in a very long time and there were definitely parts i didn't remember um you know so it was fun to go back and watch it and kind of try and remember it had been long enough that I wasn't 100% sure what the ending was, which kind of made it nice. Sure, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And when I was done watching it, I wasn't 100% sure what the ending was. So, you know, <laughs> it was... One of the cool things about watching it again was it just made me realize how weird the 70s was. Yeah. And, and, and just how, you know, so not to reveal anything about me, but I was actually 10 in 76. And so... I'm sort of thinking like I have some of my memories of the 70s because I'm just old enough. Yeah. But I was so young, I wasn't actually experiencing the 70s, if that makes a sense. Yeah, you weren't experiencing the true 70s, which right. were something. They were which something. were something. Yeah. So it, it was it was fascinating to watch and also to watch just what they thought a future might be, dystopia or otherwise, you know? Yeah. You know, this is, I didn't quite see it as a dystopia so much. I guess, you know, because one of the main things of this movie is you're kind of terminated at 30. Yeah. And, I mean, life's kind of over 30 anyway, right? I mean, why not just... <laughs> Trust me, Dan, it's not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like I've been dead for years now, so... Right. I... <laughs> right. So, like, what's the big deal, right? I, just, I don't know. It feels very, very modern. They got that part right, I guess. Here's the thing that really caught me. Watching the credits in the beginning, I saw Farrah Fawcett as the name that popped oh. up, right? Which yep. was weird because I was like, okay, she's in this movie, cool. And then she shows up on screen and she has like 
her part means nothing, nothing. It could have been an ex, a featured extra. She's not a feature in the movie. She's just a woman who comes in as like a nurse with extra lines <laughs> who shows yeah. up randomly later. It was weird because in 76, she was still pretty popular. This was shocking to me. I don't know. The biggest shock of the movie, to be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> well, I, I think I'm trying to... I, I actually, Dan, I, I was the same way, and I, I have to admit I then went and looked up, well, when did Charlie's Angels start? Mm-hmm. And, and, and right. I think the reason she was there was she was first famous as a model. And Charlie's Angels started in 76 as well. So I think oh, I it was at okay. that point in her career. I'd have to be, I'd be curious to see what movies and TV she did before Logan's run, but I think it was mostly her modeling. She did some things because I was trying to look at that as well. Because 76 was, if she probably got the movie first and then was put on the show later on. Right. And then probably, she probably shot the movie in 75 and then the show came out in 76. So yeah. that makes actually does make sense. So she'd be a big name, but not really an actress yet, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was just, it was one of those things that like just really stuck oh. out to me. <laughs> I was with you. I was like yeah. really weird. Yeah. Well, and, and the opening scene is also very odd. We're, we're going to talk about a couple movies, not no spoiler alerts, but some of the opening scenes really stuck with me. And this one did because it was such a, this like set the scene for such a goofy movie. There's there's Logan and then there's his friend Francis, I believe. And so yeah. yes. Logan is looking at, he's like Logan 6 and he's looking at Logan 7, which is a baby in a nursery. And he's tapping on the glass very loudly to try to get the baby's attention for some reason. So his buddy Francis, who's like this, He's such an overactor. He's this ridiculous comic relief. He's so broad. <laughs> and he bangs on the window with his gun, setting off an alarm, making the babies cry. And then they just, they like, uh, then, they, they, you know, they make something, they turn the alarm off, you know, with their their voice activation. But then they don't look at the baby again. They look at it for a second, and then they're like, ah, oh, it's crying. Man, we'll leave. <laughs> it was just such a weird scene, you know? Just but it, like. got to establish their jerks from the get-go. <laughs> I guess so. It's also interesting um, Dan, like to go back and watch it, it is definitely not an action movie. No, right? And I think, I think science fiction's evolved. Well, I don't know if evolved is the right word. Transformed, where people expect science fiction movies to be action movies, like one and the same. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 right, yeah, right. It, right now, and and you know, Star Wars may have sort of done that, and and some other things that happen to the point that when a science fiction movie comes out based on a book that's not an action book, um, that's often one of the problems, right? Because you e- you either can't do anything like what the book was because the book wasn't an action book because you're trying to make an action film because it's science fiction mm-hmm. or vice versa. And this really had nothing to do with action. I mean, there's a few mild chase scenes, but it was really about you know the question of, oh, wait, shoot. I'm now suddenly actually going to die. This isn't right. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. It was much true. more about the classic science fiction questions of how do you organize society and what's fair. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, this movie, I'll be honest with you, Ben. When we when I first was watching this movie, I was like, what is this movie? What is yeah. happening? But it's like on people's top 20 list of top sci-fi, and it's so weird. It was It hit it, you know, it was right in that for me. I thought it was a very weird movie. I liked it. I, yeah. it, it's enjoyable to watch, and I, I I think just from the the standpoint of what it puts out in terms of effects. I mean, the effects aren't great, but they're they were they're pretty solid for the time, and it kind of show you can see a lot of the themes from it 
go into have gone into later stuff for sure. Well, I did. I, I have to make an odd connection here, Dan. I feel compelled to do this. I was really, you know, watching it and thinking um, as soon as they started going through water. Yeah. This is the classic scene to get people to undress. And, and sure enough, <laughs> yeah. they end up somewhere cold and they're yeah. like, we should take our clothes off so they don't freeze to us. But 10 minutes later, they're putting their wet clothes back if on. So it was like, it was like really. <laughs> if 10 minutes. Yeah. And all I could think of was Die Hard. Because yeah. um, in Die Hard, they have him walk around on broken glass. So he has to take his shirt off to tie up his feet that are bleeding. Right. And I'm just, I'm just making these weird cinematic connections of like, what are the different ways movies use to get people to take their clothes off? And yeah. I know that has nothing to do with tech or what we usually talk about, but I just couldn't help avoid that thought. In this movie. Well, here's what's great about it. You said you were 10 in 76. I said you didn't experience the 70s. Everyone was basically naked in the 70s. And in this right. movie is no exception. <laughs> um, because they're wearing clothes, but they're all they're, that's it. They're thin layers. Of, they're vin- very <laughs> paper-thin clothes. <laughs> clothes is a strong word to use for what they're wearing. Yeah. Uh, and, which leads us to my favorite technology in this, um, which is they essentially have... It's called the circuit, I believe. Yep. And it's a, you know, we, we talked about transporters on the fly episode. We've talked about transporters in the past. This is kind of like my favorite version because essentially they live, this is why it's hard for me to think of as a dystopia, because they live in this world where they can basically just, what they do is they go into the circuit and they randomly show up in someone's room, you know, um, what do they call that? Key party style, you know, in the seventies and they just show up in someone's room. And this woman who becomes the the female lead for the character just shows up in this guy's room wearing like the thinnest outfit I've ever seen in my life. No undergarments. And this is very similar to chat roulette. Have you guys heard of chat roulette? Do you remember this about 10 years ago? Of course. Yeah. No, Oh, <laughs> vaguely, yeah. Well, basically the same thing. So what it was is it was this idea that you would go online and you'd have a webcam, kind of what we're doing. You'd hit spin, and it would randomly, whoever was on chat roulette at the time, it would just randomly start matching people, right? And so the, the joke was like one out of every six people was just naked. <laughs> so you'd, just, you'd get into the room and they'd just be like, bah! And it was just, it's like that was the thing, you know? I will tell you, Dan, I immediately, so when we talk technology, And usually I'm going to take a a twist here. You're the one who says, well, here's the technology that matches this that's real. Mm -hmm. I I can't I I can't resist. This is clearly because luckily I'm happily married and I don't have to worry about dating. Right. But, you know, I see I see college kids and people. This just reminded me of the dating apps where you swipe left and right. Um, Because the first thing he does, he, he has a pad or something that he triggers it. And instead of a picture and a profile, the actual person shows up in your room and you look <laughs> right. at them and then you either swipe or not. Right. So the first person shows up, he sees the guy, he looks at him, goes, ah, oh, nah, and he swipes the guy away. Right. And yeah, then yeah. the woman shows up, he's like, oh, okay. And he swipes, yes. And she steps into the room. Yeah. So I think this technology did become real and it's dating apps. <laughs> <laughs> that is really funny. Well, and here's another, this just came out today. I just found this, this is the synchronicity here. Twitch, you guys know Twitch, right? It's the video yes. game streaming yep. app. So some guys just designed, basically, it's just a really cool idea. It's called Twitch, I think it's called Twitch Roulette. And essentially, uh, you you log on and you hit, you pick the game you want to watch someone play. There's a whole drop-down list. You hit go, and it basically matches you with a streamer who doesn't have a lot of subscribers. So it helps you discover people who may be good with not a lot of subscribers. I thought that was actually kind of a cool oh. way to use this technology. Oh, cool. that is a cool thing. Chat 
roulette's the other way, and yeah. uh, Tinder's the ultimate, you know? Well, I, and also, just as a technology, I know we all had different responses to this. I, I weirdly did not view this as a teleportation-type situation. Hmm. I, I really, in my head, thought of it more as their transport tubes, that you're really just sitting there in a transport tube. You're on the circuit, not electrically, but literally physically. The, the weird lightning that you see is just some strange, you know, screen that shows up while it's transporting and cycling through people. And you're standing basically on a moving people mover, moving through the walls in a creepy way of all the houses, and then you just show up <laughs> at some random room. So I, I actually found it to be a very physical technology because there wasn't really any speed involved, right? It took a long time between people for someone to show up. That's interesting. Because hmm. So you're saying it's kind of an extension of the the rather extensive kind of above-ground tube pneumatic-based right. subway it, it, system. Instead of the tube system for pneumatic things, right, it, it's a people mover in the walls. It's kind of like the creepy version of the Disneyland people mover. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I mean, that's uh, it's something to think about. I mean, I, what I like about it is, is the... What's cool about that explanation is the extensive tube-based system. I'm from Chicago. We had the L, elevated trains. Basically, it's trains around the city, right. you know, above ground. But this was kind of an interesting idea, like all these, like, basically hamster tubes around the city. That seems like that... I don't know if that's an efficient use of... You don't have to dig through the ground. Like, I'm in L.A. right now. They're building brand-new subway extensions. Right. They have to dig through the ground. It's taking years. Would it be easier to create the infrastructure outside the city? Is this really the better way to go? Yeah, so, so elevated rail... Surface level is the easiest thing to build, but then you have to deal with complaints from people about blocking uh, traffic. Uh, mm, right. <laughs> but el elevated versus underground isn't significantly different in terms of expense because the, especially at least here in California where there's earthquakes and stuff, placing those structures is just as difficult as digging the tubes. And in some ways it's worse because where are they going to go? Um, you know, those pillars aren't, small and if you put them down the middle of the road and well now you take away traffic lanes and people complain and well the nice thing is here you got rid of cars so you yeah there are no cars the which is great lanes. so you're you just have the tubes i i do think it would have you know given the um brilliant use of models as the special yeah. effect for the city uh, th those weren't real? i think a I subway they... would have been much harder to build <laughs> than the hamster tube set because you just had the hamster tubes available yeah. to, to put in yeah oh i don't think they were that big <laughs> they were they were really pretty small, uh, yeah. but what's what's actually interesting about that is around that time in L.A. they were trying to build something like that. Like if you if you walk around like Bunker Hill in downtown Los Angeles, you see all of these elevated walkways between buildings, and the original idea for those was to be a people mover, and people would ride these little cars around downtown L.A. on these elevated throughways. Just like you see in this uh, in this movie. So, like Angels Wings, is that, is that part of the system? No, Angels Flight, no, Angels Flight Angel from back in the day when the rich people on top of the hill didn't want to walk down the hill. Oh, okay, it's a different. <laughs> but different. If, if if you look at <laughs> the the, it's like the elevated walkways between like the the Bonaventure and like the parking garages nearby. There's like you'll see these like one story up big concrete structures that like go between parking garages and buildings. And those were originally hmm. going to be people movers, not just sidewalks. Yeah. Well, I know certainly, right, you see more and more buildings connected by covered walkways in places yeah. where it's cold. That's fascinating. I did not know that. Well, that uh, what's interesting about that is 
it's a way to get people around the city. And this, the dystopia part of this, I think, comes with the way people track people throughout the city yeah. here. Yeah. So you mentioned the crystal. Yes. Now, this is very similar to like an RFID chip, except it's big and bulky and in the center of their hand and it changes color. And I assume that the color corresponds to their clothes and that corresponds to how close they are to death, right? Is that- yes. yes. Well, when it goes exactly. red, that means you're in your last couple of years. Okay. You really got to kind of live it up. Yeah. You're going to be. Yeah. You know, whatever. Well, what was interesting to me was they made a point. I think one of the reasons they start with him looking at the babies is it was the easiest way to show that the babies had crystals right from the beginning. I see. Mm. I see. Right. And and to me, the odd thing about the crystals in the hand is the crystal isn't going to change size. Hmm. Um, Right. I mean, it. I don't think, right? There's no good way for that to change size. Why would it need to? I mean, I guess that makes sense, yeah. And, but but yeah, so it's just kind of an interesting feature. It's a minor picky point, but I felt like in the baby's hand, it looked in the same ratios in the adult's hands, right? It did, so, yeah, it did. You it know, did. <laughs> when, when in fact, it's going to be one size. So in the baby hand, presumably, it's going to take the whole palm and then you grow yeah, around it. Right. And it's an interesting question of, of what point do you put the crystal in? But it, it was, it look, it... it it's a weird kind of way to think about it as an implant in your hand, given how much you use your hands to do things, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. now it's impacting your grip. But it is one of the most common things in science fiction is the idea of an implant. And we are, I mean, we're very seriously researching that now on all sorts of levels. Some for very positive. Like people would love to be able to have an implant, for instance, that controlled diabetes, so you're not having to regularly give shots and all of that. You know, the, mm-hmm. a built-in, a built-in biologically compatible device that both sent out data, could record your data, and could even release um, things at the right time in medicine, right? So, and then of course, there's always the jokes about having chips implanted to help with your memory and, and to track you. So, we we've moved beyond the visible implant of of, of the the gem in your hand, um, but we we have continued to think about that and and in surprisingly serious ways, which I found fascinating. For all the reasons they use this, for ID, for tracking, for other things, for health. Well, I mean, you know, we've been putting them in dogs, and and basically, like, an RFID chip is just a transmitter that you can pull the signal off of. What's interesting in this is these crystals seem to run on kind of a similar technology because there appears to be, and I could be wrong here, but there appears to be some kind of track, maybe the, the computer that runs the city, that's how they track everyone. But once once Logan um, and I believe Jessica leave the city, their things turn white. They're no yeah, longer it's tracked. It's, yeah, it's like they're outside the signal range of the RFID, yeah. which I thought was kind of interesting. Well, I think it also implies that the, the light, it, it's all centralized. Like... If the light, right. as soon as you leave the range of the transmitter, your your crystal doesn't your crystal doesn't know um, how old you are. The city knows how old how knows how old you you are and tells you how old you are, which is kind of an interesting thought process. Of are they messing with people? Like, what if you're like really spry for a thirty year old and they give you an extra year? Like, mm-hmm. are the people right. really keeping track? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And obviously yeah. we see with Logan, they like take away a bunch of his ears. They like make him red all of a sudden. But like, that's probably just the computer, like sending the red signal to him. And so, oh, yeah, signal. no, it's clearly they didn't a- age him at all. Yeah. Like, they just changed it. Well, the only weird thing about that, just real quickly, is when they came back in the city, it was still white. 
Yeah. That was the only weird thing. Like, the movie was, I think, very consistent and very well done for the technology it proposed. Um, but that was kind of the odd thing, that once it went white, it was maybe it hadn't had time to reboot yet. I mean, we know old computers took a long time to start up. Yeah, or maybe once you disappear, like, it forgets about you because you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Oh, okay. that's true. The system could have assumed you had just died. Yeah. And not known better. I like that, Ben. That's a good explanation. Yeah. Well, that is, and I assume that they're using the same tracking because the whole thing is, you know, Logan is a, is a Sandman. Is that what they're called? Sandman. Yeah, Sandman. And so they basically track people who are trying to escape the city called Runners, which happens very frequently, yeah. more frequently than I would think. And they all know they're being tracked. This, this like, they, they have, there's the scene at the beginning where they start tracking this runner. This really was, again, one of these weird scenes in the movie that really kind of altered how I thought about the movie. So basically, a lot of stuff happens in, like, three minutes. So we learn that they can track these people. Right. Five seconds earlier, Francis looked at a guy and said, hey, I think he's going to run. You would think that was the guy who was going to be running away, and it's a different guy. And they almost derive this sick pleasure out of chasing him. It's not like they capture him and then like just arrest him and like put him back and like say, oh, hey, you got to, you know, you got to stick around. You got you can't be running off like that. They basically torture him into jumping to his death off of a balcony. And then he gets dissolved by this hover chair that comes in after Logan looks at his identification and you realize his face has been changed and he is the guy who they saw earlier so much in like three minutes <laughs> it was like such an intense story-driven technology filled three minutes well I, I and i have to say it was interesting i don't understand why at that point you really don't understand why they're basically robbing the guy like yeah then he, they rob him too then they steal right. stuff out of him and it also wasn't clear how those clothes could ever have pockets. So that was fascinating <laughs> to me, right? Like we mentioned yeah. that earlier. Yeah. But but they get the stuff off the guy. And, and it's clear much later in my mind is clearly the Sandman be, are being instructed to do this because the computer believes it knows there's an organized effort, right? And so when Logan puts in the guy's um, onk symbol is when everything triggers what happens to Logan. So there there is... You realize later it's the computer requesting this, and the computer is probably looking for particular runners, the non-random ones. But I, um, I, I love the disintegrating technology, the, yeah. the hover chair. You know, when when we pick these movies, I, I don't know if the audience knows a little bit peeling back the curtain. We don't necessarily know which technologies are going to be the cool ones to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah no right? idea. And I just looked at that and said, okay, we better talk about that because yeah. that is cool. And and. And I was watching it going, at first, just blown away, like, okay, really? How are you getting rid of everything? Like, what, what, what is going on here? And then it occurred to me, this is probably just some very, you know, tuned acid that the floor is acid-resistant, which you can make acid-resistant materials. And if you get runners who are dead, you just fly over them with the acid drop. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's the easiest way to clean them up, yeah. I mean. yeah. I mean, it could also be similar to the carousel technology because I mean, obviously there's like some sort of explosion when those uh, people are disappearing, yeah. but they're disappearing. <laughs> the, the carousel people were harder to explain yeah. in my mind because they're because, but but you don't really see what's on the ground. So yeah. right, there might be a lot of ash and dust that then gets sucked into some 
vacuum cleaner. Yeah. But yeah, the guy in the middle of the floor just going like that. It was a little fast, so it's a it super powerful acid, fast. whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think I got something for you guys. Oh, okay. okay. So I'm this, ready, is, this is why I have to use like secret web browsers because I can't be caught. I can't have Google tracking what I'm looking up. But it turns out that heated lye, like is sodium or potassium hydroxide. If you heat it to 300 degrees, it can basically turn a body. It makes them tan, which is very similar to the color that it turns in there. And it can turn a, a regular body. You can dispose of a body to the consistency of like mineral oil in three hours. Okay. So it's very quick. Not three seconds yeah. in there, but but you know, right. it's three well, hours. Well that may have been time lapse photography for all we know. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, we don't we don't we haven't have any idea. But this is actually so lie is also a base, not an acid. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So Dan, I, I was going the wrong way, but I like that. I was about to say that. Yeah. yeah. So that's interesting. So this is actually done on a regular basis in universities. This is how people get rid of cadavers. I found this to be one of the facts of the podcast for me. So typically in a university, this is an eight-hour process because you have to heat up the lye, you have to dissolve the body, and then you have to dispose of the body. But apparently, according to this article from Slate, I'll put up a link on the website, uh, after eight hours, the liquefied remains are safe to pour down the drain. There may be some bone fragments left, um, but that's basically it. You can use sulfuric acid. It will completely dissolve, but sulfuric acid is much more dangerous, and it will take a little bit longer, but you can get rid of all the bone fragments. So lye is kind of the best way to do it. It's a pretty simple chemical yeah. process, and it's yeah. kind of terrifying. It's what H.H. H. Holmes used to dispose of bodies in the 1890s. Yeah, I think if you're going for a chemical method, that, that makes sense. I was thinking more that like they're just incinerating it with the hover chair. Oh, okay, like a quick cremation, yeah, <laughs> so to speak, yeah. But then the floor doesn't burn. <laughs> yeah, the weird thing was, for me, there was no ash. I, I yeah. like the liquefaction, because you can imagine a slightly porous floor. Yeah. Right, and that's, that's base or acid resistant, and as it becomes liquid, it just drains into the floor and goes away. And the effect is definitely more of a melt than a burn. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but burn's not a bad. An instant cremation is kind of interesting. You can have floor that would be resistant to the heat, um, but the ash is tricky. But it's it's definitely somewhere along the lines. I, mean, I was actually surprised. It at how could still be graded, and it goes through somehow. Maybe I don't know. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was just surprisingly believable and uh, <laughs> very strange. Yeah. And this is well, a technique that drug cartels use to dispose of bodies. Apparently, that's what they. And it did take me by surprise because I expected the hovercraft to pick up the body and take it somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> and so nope. it, it, it was a surprise moment for me. Yeah. yeah. Much much more. Well, I mean, they are just kind of popcorning them at the end. They all just kind of blowing up inside the carousel when they're. 30 they're all just floating yeah. up and exploding so i don't know yeah. very strange how little human life yeah made. but another thing in this was the was the face transplant and so yes. we see yes. it we see it in that chase uh brings us back to farrah fawcett because she's the lovely nurse who has many more lines than she should <laughs> in this movie <laughs> but basically you know uh, logan wants to change his face and they, there's kind of, you know, it's basically like in a video game, when you play a lot of these modern video games, you can kind of pick your avatar and you can basically pick your face where your cheekbones, eye shape, hair color, you know, all that yeah. stuff. They give you all those options there. This is kind of a cool little medical facility. And, you know, some of this stuff may actually be relatively possible. I think it's, I think it's here in some ways. I mean, if you go to a plastic surgeon for like a facial you know, to do like a facial surgery of some sort, that's exactly what they do. They'll, they'll, you know, use Photoshop or other tools to, you know, raise your brow lines or reshape your nose. Like that's, that's what you do. 
now. Well, and there's also face transplants. I mean, yeah. obviously, there's that famous chimpanzee case from like 10 years ago where a woman had to get her basically had her face torn off, you know, horror movie style by a chimpanzee and had a face replaced. A lot of these face transplants look kind of amazing. Um, yeah. So it's it's really, I mean, there's so many small little muscles in the face that you have to get connected properly, but they're doing an incredible job. I was amazed by this. But there's also lots of people who have essentially changed how they look completely. I mean, Michael Jackson is the first one that comes to mind mm -hmm. because I was a Michael Jackson fan and like Michael Jackson off the wall and Michael Jackson black or white, they're literally two entirely different people. Nose, cheekbones, yeah. hair, everything's... I mean, that's, you know, that's plastic surgery gone wrong, but you can change the face. That took a long period of time. It was like 20 years. There's this woman, um, and there's probably several women like her, but her name, she's she's in the Ukraine or somewhere in Russia. Her name's Valerie Lukainova, Lukainova, and she's basically wants to look like Barbie. So she's changed the shape of her eyes. You know, she's got large breast implants. Um, she's changed the, the the structure of her nose or her face. Face. She really wants to look like the the Dow Barbie, which, as most people point out, is not. Those are not the proportions that any human being can withstand. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know? Right. But but the point is, people are doing this and essentially changing what they look like completely. The, the before and afters, you would never know. I mean, it's it's crazy. It would, it would fool facial recognition software, I believe. You know, sort of following on that, Dan, from a technology point of view, you know, we know a key component of all surgery is the healing part. Mm -hmm. And what right. I find fascinating, because we've done the Westworld episodes, we've, we'll probably be doing this again in some later episodes, the healing component of the facial surgery uh, machine was interesting to me. Okay. Because that is something that I do wonder what that might look like, you know, from a technology point of view. I, I actually, ironically... Um, it's, I feel like it's been an episode or two since I've mentioned foams, mm -hmm. but I, I was actually involved in a conference on how to actually enhance healing. It was actually funded by the Army, who obviously has great interest in, in rapid healing um, to prevent infection, to help you know, with, with wounds on the battlefield, right. you know, and how do, you, how do you close wounds quickly. And a lot of the cell structure and its movement is a lot of the ways foams move and reconstruct, which is the connection to foams. Mm -hmm. But it is interesting to think about what what it might take to speed up healing. Um, and, you know, basically, cancer is sped up healing gone wrong, right, where the cells just keep reproducing and moving where you don't want them. But, you know, to get a healing to occur, you need cells to reproduce and move. Um, and so it's interesting to think about can that all happen with just something that looks like it's just shining light on you? And what is it really doing and what else is going on there? So I was, I was sort of fascinated by that aspect of the machine. Well, they had like very precise lasers, you know, and I think that for cutting and healing, you know, maybe there's like a frequency of laser that can cut, but it creates, you know, almost a microscopic kind of incision that can heal very quickly or we see very little scarring, you know, things like that. I think that there are advancements. There's a lot of room for growth in this area and they're doing it. No, there is. And, and some of it is the light, some of it's the frequency, but I'm, I'm willing to bet the little device that sprays is probably also having to do something chemical that then maybe gets triggered by the light. But I think the laser is also important that you're able to make a very, very fine incision with a laser because you're not you're not relying on you know a piece of metal or a piece of obsidian or whatever to right. make the point you can use focused light 
and in and in some cases you can um, you can use multiple beams that all meet at a single focus. So like it can only burn at that one tiny center where all the beams come together and everywhere else it's harmless. You know, you, you can do very, very fine work with lasers. Yeah, that was a nice feature of it. Yeah. yeah. And then of course, when it goes wrong, you just have amusing science fiction gone bad. Right. Oh. <laughs> I mean, not science fiction gone bad, sorry. Amusing science fiction where the situation went bad for the guy involved. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, what, what's crazy is as we close here, what I thought was also very interesting about this movie, this movie was kind of about a million different things at once, <laughs> and it, it felt right. a little disjointed because even the storyline's a little difficult to follow, but it was still intriguing in some way. Like, I couldn't take my eyes away from it. But once, you know, Jessica and Logan leave the city, it takes on this very almost religious overtone where they're kind of like this strange Adam and Eve type person coming out of a paradise. And they meet this old guy who we don't know how he got there. He's got a beard. He's living in some place with a bunch of cats. It's very strange. And he's almost like this kind of godlike figure, um, you know, sanctuaries where they're going. And that's almost like this weird heaven. You know, when when they get back to the, the place where they live, I don't know what the name of the city that they're in, the domed city, it basically gets... Gets destroyed, which is like this weird false idol being destroyed, while everyone literally embraces the god character at the end. It, like I, I don't know, maybe this is just my Catholic upbringing, but I felt like there was just a lot of religious overtones towards the end. Am I crazy, or did, did any of you guys see that as well with science fiction? I guess I'm gonna go with Denon first. Ben's a little engineering for this, but I we'll see. What I, I'm with you. It was it, well, two things about it. Very religiously overtoned. I, I liked it. You know, look, the guy looked a little Moses-ish, if not God-ish, right? Sure, like, yeah, a, yeah. A, a, As a minimum, he, he kind of right. had that Moses feel. Um, <laughs> On the bearded and, and, man scale, he was like a Moses. Not quite a God, but he was Moses, right? You know, um, and, and, but he also had that kind of, you know, flavor of many characterizations where, where God takes on human form and acts a little goofy, right? Like that's a common sure. thing in mm-hmm. movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was that connection. I do have to, I, I can't, and I know Ben feels the same way here, so I'll just slip it in briefly and he could augment. I can't help but laugh at the, the, the firm belief that if you confuse a computer, it blows up. Yeah. <laughs> like this just, yeah. I don't care how confused the computer gets, it doesn't cause it to explode. Never mind the entire city to explode. Now, the, it might be that once the computer explodes, there's some random fail safes in the electrical system you know, the power generation that go off and the city does explode. But, um, you know, that's just such a standard science fiction trope that was kind of funny to watch at the end. But I, but I, did, I did really like this, yeah, this movement out. It's almost a movement of a lot of people out of the garden at one time into a different garden, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I love the explosion because it's very She-Ra-esque. We just talked about that, uh, the weapon. Yes. You know, what, yeah. what, Are there underground power sources? We don't know, but, I mean, it's possible. Silly, but possible. Well, in a way, we yeah. see the underground power systems in Logan's Run because we see them going through the bowels of the city past mm-hmm. all this huge equipment that somehow works <laughs> without <Yeah>. anyone <laughs> yeah. touching it ever. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. It is very weird. And, and you know, the, the, the ending scene, the interrogation slash surrogation is... yeah. I mean, I don't even, it's so, I watched it again. I know we were going to talk about it. It's so weird to me. I don't really understand it. It involves holograms and destroying computer. I don't understand it. Nonetheless, in conclusion, I actually really enjoyed Logan's run. I think it definitely fits in sci- the Sci-Fi Hall of Fame. Uh, and it yeah. was just very weird. But I don't know. I felt like it was a product of its time. It felt very yeah. 70s. I don't know. I liked it. Yeah. yeah. And, and it had some cool tech. 
Yeah, I, I will say I, I could see how comp- you could melt a computer by confusing it. Like if you get it into a <laughs> into a like an infinite loop where it just burns a lot of power more than it's designed for, and then it could potentially melt down. Yeah, that just means you don't have good fans and cooling. Systems well, yeah, you're not designing right. for the the maximum possible TDP of the uh, processor, but right, <laughs> right, not everyone does just that. Just to throw some <laughs> some language tech around. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, TDP is always an issue, yeah. I think, whenever you're dealing with computers. But, I mean, if you've seen Logan's Run, if we've missed anything, you want to talk to us, we're easy to get a hold of. As the Brain Trust, the show is on Twitter, at FGGBTPod, or on Facebook, at FGGBT. But let's say you want to talk to one of us in secret. You want to kind of get help with that little pet project that you're doing. If you've got some engineering projects and you want to know from a master, you can get in touch with Ben Siebser. Ben, how do people get in touch with you? Yeah, you can get in touch with me on all the major social media networks at bseepser. How do you spell that? B-S-I-E-P-S-E-R. And if you want to know if the physics are right with your crazy project, after you talk to Ben, make sure everything's working correctly. Denon's the guy you want. Denon, how can people get in touch with you? Well, Twitter and Instagram, it's at Denon Michael. Just flip my name. Um, but then on Facebook, it's at Prof Denon Michael. And once you have a working prototype and you want someone to poke holes in it, I'm your guy. I'm the analytical mastermind on Facebook. I am at Daniel J. Glenn on Twitter and at the Daniel J. Glenn on Instagram. Uh, this is pretty crazy stuff. I love walking down memory lane. I'm seeing a lot of movies that um, I really enjoy. But we are talking about some serious stuff here. There's some crazy people in this movie and some technology that you don't just want to be tossing around. You want to use some caution, some responsibility. Remember, you want to be a superhero, not a supervillain. Until next time, thank you for listening. Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies is a Glencoe production and is produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and Paul Springers with music and sound design written and performed by Paul Springers. If you like this show, you got to subscribe. You don't want to miss an episode. we got a lot of easy ways to do it. First of all, if you're already involved with the podcasting platform, we're on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify. You can find us there. If you're not, go to the website, fgbt.com. That's fgbt.com. Scroll to the bottom of the page. You will find links to, to subscribing to the show while you're at the website. You want to stick around? Obviously, you can find our social media links, but go to the pages for the episodes we're talking about. We got videos. We got all the articles we talked about. Great stuff. You can listen to the shows there. And of course, if you want a version on YouTube, we got that. Go to youtube.com backslash Daniel J. Glenn. You can find all of our shows. And if you like this show, you're going to like everything that I do. Go to DanielJGlenn.com to find out more. Thank you for listening.